Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about dividend-paying stocks, and we're going to be talking about specifically high-yield dividend-paying stocks and how those may play a part in your portfolio, uh, how they exactly work, why companies would pay dividends of this much, and then how you may go about investing in these types of things for different reasons in your financial life. Okay, so stick around for all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites at MNO with Dylan, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those, right? And tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And we can begin working together, building financial goals for you and your family and helping you to reach, helping you to attain those goals over the long term. And then ultimately just pushing you forward into long-term financial freedom, because that is what I hope uh, that all of you attain as you watch and listen to the show every single day. And hopefully, I can help you get there. And financial coaching sessions are just one way uh, that we can do that in a more personalized manner and allow you to have some one-on-one help and to push you into that place uh, where financial freedom is actually attainable in your life. So let us just talk for just a second about dividends. What are dividends? Why do companies pay dividends? What's the whole idea there? Well, when a company uh, makes some uh, you know, net income or some profit, Right? When a company makes some profit, they really have a few choices as to what they can do with that profit. Okay, They make this profit and they can either just reinvest that profit into the business by investing in new projects, trying to grow the business in some way, shape, or form, Okay, or they can return that profit to shareholders, to investors. And again, we're talking about publicly traded companies here, okay? Because uh, for the uh, you know small business or the not publicly traded company, uh, the choices are still similar, right? But it's between distributions to the owners, right? In the way of uh, you know some type of special dividend or something, right? Or reinvesting into the business. And most times reinvesting into the business is what occurs. Uh, but a lot of owners like to take uh, special income off of uh, their business year after year. And it's very similar to how uh, a dividend works. Okay, But with publicly traded companies, dividends are those distributions from the company to the shareholders. Now, these are the direct distributions, meaning uh, that it is proportional to the number of shares that you own. And it's some dollar amount that the company chooses per share uh, to pay you. Okay, and they're just uh, basically reinvesting in their investors, right? They're giving their investors some return just straight up in the form of cash. Okay, now there are also stock dividends, but those are uh, far less common than uh, the common cash dividend. Okay, now they don't just have to uh, pay dividends, they don't have to pay dividends at all, right? Companies do not have to return capital to shareholders in that way. Okay, they cannot return capital to shareholders at all. Okay, I think of companies like Amazon who they don't really actively repurchase shares uh, in the way that companies like Berkshire Hathaway or Apple do, 
right? And repurchasing shares is just nothing more than uh, buying shares back from the market, thus increasing everybody's stock price, thus increasing the value for each of your shareholders, right? So they don't really do that, but they also don't pay any dividend, okay? So what are they doing with their money? They're just reinvesting it into the business quarter after quarter, month after month, year after year, right? And in doing so, uh, they are allowing the company to grow internally, which will end up showing up in the stock price. So they are working for the shareholders, right? They still are trying to create shareholder value. I mean, heck, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world for a reason. But that increase in shareholder value is only due to internal growth and not any distributions to investors via share repurchases or dividends, okay? And we really wanna focus on the dividend aspect and what causes companies to pay a dividend, what types of companies tend to pay dividends uh, and why they may choose to pay a higher or lower amount of dividends. Okay. So let me just use an example of a company like Apple. Okay. Apple is undoubtedly a powerhouse company, the largest company in the world by market capitalization. Okay. And they pay uh, relative to their stock price, a small dividend, right? I think their dividend yield is like 0.66% or something uh, along those lines, okay? So Apple has a small dividend yield, meaning their return that you would make just on dividends over a one-year period. And the reason that it's probably small is that Apple is still trying to innovate and still trying to grow and still trying to become a better company. So they reinvest a lot of their money back into the company. Not only that, they also repurchase a lot of shares, which is another way that you distribute capital to shareholders right? Uh, and that is a more uh, indirect and tax efficient way. And it allows the price of each shareholder share to increase systematically uh, and not create a taxable event via dividends. Okay. So they repurchase a lot of shares, but they do pay a small dividend. Now, why would a company like Apple pay a small dividend or pay a dividend at all, right? If they're still growing, if they are still a, you know, tech stock that grows and uh, allows their uh, investors to get very high returns over time, why uh, would they pay a dividend? Well, Apple has matured, okay? Now, they aren't a fully mature company, you know, along the lines of a Coca-Cola, right? Or, or a company like that, that is really old and grows very slowly. They're not that, okay? But they're the largest company in the world. And the largest company in the world is quite mature, okay? Uh, and so, they are a more mature company, and in being so, they create a lot of cash flow, right? Just look at what you're holding in your hand right now or what's sitting next to you right now or what you're watching this video on right now or listening to this podcast on right now. It is likely, and I know you've got some Android users out there, but it's likely an Apple iPhone, okay? And so you buying this Apple iPhone and putting that Apple iPhone on payment plans and whatever, right, is creating cash flow for them and them, uh, you know, charging you for Apple Music or them charging you for apps that you're purchasing from the App Store, right? They are making a lot of money off of you, them charging you for repairs, charging you for all these different things, all these accessories, the AirPods, the iPads, the MacBook Pros, like all of these different things. Uh, Apple is creating a ton of cash flow and they have really zeroed in on what consumers want and they are providing what consumers want. Okay. Easy to use technology. Okay. That is still innovative and is still new, uh, but it is still relatively user-friendly right? Uh, Apple products are not difficult to use by any means necessary. And some may say, oh, well, you know, they don't have the, the power or the operating system that, you know, this Android has or whatever, whatever. It's the best selling phone in the world. Okay. And there's a reason that it's the best selling phone uh, and the largest company in the world. It's because the products are good and they were a big first mover in this space. 
right? And I'm not trying to make a case for Apple here, but I am making a case for why Apple is mature and Apple is creating a ton of free cash flow. And when you are creating a ton of free cash flow, then you have to determine what you're gonna do with that cash flow. Because uh, the historical goal of a firm has been to maximize shareholder value, okay? Now, many companies have come together and said, okay, well, that's not the goal of the firm now, okay? But the CEOs and the uh, you know investors that own large percentages of the company, right? They have a lot of say in voting for who runs the company uh, and exactly how the company is going to operate. Okay, so you still have to pander to the shareholders, and you still have to provide the shareholders with adequate returns over time, or investors are not going to be interested in your company, right? And it's going to be harder to raise money. It's going to be harder uh, to take out debt. It's going to be harder to uh, raise new equity. Uh, it's just going to be difficult to find uh, ways to raise new money. So you want to appease your shareholders, and especially for uh, companies that CEOs have, you know, large portions of their uh, compensation in stocks and stock options, right? Those CEOs, their uh, incentives are based on them increasing shareholder value, okay? And so, when you have all this free cash flow, you can either reinvest it back into the business, right, and uh, create some shareholder value in that way, or you can return it to shareholders. And especially if you think your stock is undervalued, you can repurchase shares, right, and increase shareholder value in that way. And if you just have leftover free cash flow, right, you can provide a dividend to investors. And that's the situation Apple is in. They have a lot of free cash flow, the most free cash flow of anybody in the world, as far as I know, right? And they reinvest that free cash flow into the business, but they have so much and they're wanting to create adequate returns for their investors. So they repurchase shares and they pay dividends, okay? Now, they pay a very small dividend. What about companies that pay very large dividends. Why do they pay such large dividends? Well, that can be for multiple reasons. Obviously, these companies can be more mature than an Apple, right? Uh, they can be very old, slow-growing companies, right, that have a higher what we call dividend yield. Again, that is just the dividend over the current price, right? So if you bought the stock today and the price did nothing over the course of a year, what return would you make on that stock simply based on dividend? That's what the dividend yield tells you, okay? So these stocks may have a higher dividend yield than Apple's 0.66%, right? And examples of this, uh, you know, historically have been companies like uh, AT&T. AT&T, their dividend is going to get cut uh, in 2022, or at least that's the word on the street. But they've historically had a very high dividend yield. Uh, that's been why a lot of investors are interested. Uh, you have companies like Coca-Cola with over a 3% dividend yield. Uh, you have just a lot of old companies that pay high dividends. Now, they would do this because they create cash flow because they have have some customer loyalty for some product, right? Uh, AT&T has been around forever and they've uh, really become a conglomerate of businesses and uh, invested in some things, divested in others. I'm not saying they are the best uh, business to put your money into as an investor. That's not what I'm suggesting. But what I'm suggesting is, uh, is that they have created a lot of cash flow and have uh, you know, held on to a lot of consumers and their business over time, thus creating cash flow to return to shareholders. Uh, but Coca-Cola all the more, right? Coca-Cola, uh, you don't even realize all of the products that Coca-Cola has and all of the things uh, that Coca-Cola owns. There are a lot of brands that are under the Coca-Cola heading uh, that we don't even realize that that's the case, right? Uh, we just think Coca-Cola is the Coke and that is not uh, what Coca-Cola is. They're far more diversified than that in their businesses and they create a ton of cash flow because of all the things that people purchase from their business. Same thing kind of goes for PepsiCo, right? PepsiCo and Frito-Lay, uh, you know, that's the same company. That's PepsiCo Holdings, right? And they 
create a lot of cash flow. Thus, they return a good dividend yield to investors, right? And so the reason that you would pay more out to investors is because you don't see the big returns on your investment internally. At least that's the theory. The theory is, is you're not going to uh, reinvest into your company and try to find new projects to invest in uh, when you could maximize shareholder value best by paying some out in the form of dividend. Now, obviously, a dividend makes uh, a shareholder very interested. Right? It makes a shareholder go, oh, that company pays a dividend. That is a guaranteed return if they've already said that they're going to pay the dividend. Right. Uh, but the danger of a dividend, and especially a high dividend yield, a high dividend yield can mean that a company is in trouble. Okay. A lot of uh, people say, you know, look out for the dividend yields that are seven, eight, nine percent plus. Uh, those are problematic in many cases. And the reason that that is, because again, the dividend yield is the dividend over the current price of the stock. And so it can mean multiple things if you have a high dividend yield. It means either that the company's dividend has increased relative to its price in a very large way, right? Which couldn't be you know, a good thing for investors, but uh, it can also mean that the company's stock price has decreased in a very real way. And if the company's stock price has decreased in a real way, that may be due to something material to the company that is hindering their ability to create cash flow, that is hindering their ability to operate uh, in an efficient manner. And so a lot of times when you see higher yields, those higher yields just are not safe, right? Those 8, 9, 10% yields uh, are just not safe, right? And AT&T was a very good um, you know, example of this. Like I said, their uh, dividend is probably going to get cut in 2022. Okay. And so given that that is the case, they had like a seven plus percent yield, uh, six, seven percent yield for a long period of time. Uh, and that yield turned out to not be uh, safe. And they probably could keep paying that dividend, but they want to reinvest in the business. They want to not uh, pay as much of their cash flow out, not have such a high dividend payout. Uh, and not to mention, they just divested uh, a large portion of their company, Time Warner, right? Time Warner is a very big um, you know, company in and of itself. They just divested that into uh, Discovery and Time Warner and Discovery are becoming their own business. And so they are a smaller company. They have less cash flow now because uh, they have less of a business now, right? And so they are going to pay out less uh, as a result. And so dividends can be in trouble, right? Companies don't have to pay dividends and companies don't have to keep a dividend. If they say that they're going to pay a dividend, they can pay a dividend and then they can get rid of it, right? Now, investors do not like when you get rid of a dividend. So if you go back uh, and look at when AT&T said they were going to cut their dividend, uh, their stock price fell precipitously. And the reason being is that investors were really interested in that high dividend yield. But when they're no longer going to receive it, they're not interested in the stock anymore. And so the stock drops. Okay. So this may be uh, something where you, you look and you go, okay, high dividend yields, I need to be careful. I need to understand that companies can cut their dividends. And even if it's not a high dividend yield, companies can still cut their dividends. Uh, and a lot of companies during the pandemic did so because uh, they didn't have the cash flow to pay out dividends, right? A lot of the airlines, uh, they cut their dividends. And a company like Disney cut their dividend, right? They took their dividend away uh, for you know however long. It's still not back yet, okay? Now they might start paying it again in the future, uh, but they pay no dividend currently. And the reason is, is because the pandemic hit, okay? So dividends don't have to stick around, all right? But they can be a little icing on the cake to investing in anything that you want to invest in. Now, high dividend yield stocks, 
and just stocks with reasonable dividend yields in the first place. When I say reasonable dividend yields, I'm talking two, three percent is reasonable. And then I start talking, you know, high. High is, you know, anything over three, you get into the four or five percent. Those are the higher yield stocks, right? Uh, and those higher yield stocks can be very, very useful, especially if the cash flow in those particular companies is a stable amount of cash flow. Uh, you'll be able to uh, receive cash from those companies. And they may not be the best growers, but let's say you are uh, in retirement, right? And you're trying to create retirement income for yourself. And let's say that you followed the 4% rule. And I talked yesterday about the 4% rule. I talked about uh, withdrawal rates and all that kind of stuff. So you can go back and look at yesterday's episode uh, for a discussion of all that. But let's say you're just taking out the historical 4% off of uh, your retirement account at any given time. Okay. Well, if you have high dividend yield stocks uh, that can create 4% in dividends annually, and that's not including the price appreciation that may also occur, right? Then you can just make 4% off of those dividends and they can pay you exactly what you need year over year, right? That can be a very useful uh, reason to have dividend paying stocks and high dividend paying stocks in your portfolio. Now, naturally, high dividend paying stocks are not going to return as much as companies that are reinvesting in the business actively and trying to grow faster, right? These companies, they have decided that it is more beneficial for them to return the capital to shareholders than to reinvest the capital in the company, which means that their growth prospects are low relative to uh, other companies that are uh, you know, not paying dividends or not repurchasing shares or things of the like, right? Uh, so you have to understand that you're not going to get a lot of price appreciation and you may not get any price appreciation. And these companies may actually start to contract uh, over time. So you have to make sure that if you invest in a high yield company, that they're going to be able to continue creating cash flow over time, right? I mentioned Coca-Cola earlier, right? I don't think there's any reason, uh, given their diversification of brands and their scale and you know the number of people who purchase Coke products every single day, I don't think there's any reason to think that their cash flow is going anywhere anytime soon, right? But you cannot be assured of that, okay? So you have to make sure that the company is going to keep up uh, with their dividend payments over time via creating cash flow and continuing to grow as a company, even if the growth uh, is relatively slow like it is in the case of Coca-Cola, okay? So I've talked before uh, about you know, dividend paying stocks. I've talked about dividends and share repurchases, what they are, how they can be used, right? And I've recapped a little bit of that in today's episode. And so if you are at a point in your uh, investing life where you need some income, whether it uh, is to, let's say, pay for a kid's college, or let's say that it's to um, you know retire on or whatever, right? You're going to take income in order to do something, right? Dividend paying stocks can be a very real uh, and very helpful way uh, that you can do that. But the problem that you may run into uh, is that if you are, let's say, earlier in your investing life, right, you're in your 20s, your 30s, you're trying to just build a nest egg uh, and you see that, oh, the guaranteed returns of dividends, they sound so good. Okay, but if you look at the actual returns of dividend paying stocks over time, especially high yield dividend paying stocks over time, right, they just don't match up to investing in a diversified index like the S&P 500. And if you invest in the S&P 500 index, right, you are going to get uh, the dividend yield of the S&P 500 index. So currently, if you purchased the SPY, which is the uh, Spider S&P 500 ETF Trust, right, which is a very big ETF that tracks the S&P 500. It's an S&P 500 index ETF, right? The current yield on that is a 1.33% yield. So if you uh, just purchase that S&P 500 index, uh, then you would have some dividends paid to you, some distributions made. And we've talked before about how the S&P 500 over time, uh, if you reinvested dividends, that makes all the difference in the return, right? Your returns could be 
be somewhere around 7% if you just looked at price. But if you reinvested your dividends uh, that were paid to you from uh, that particular index, then you would have uh, a far larger amount and far higher returns uh, on your investment. So dividends are very, very important for long-term investing. Okay, But higher yield stocks are just not going to provide the same returns as uh, a broad market index like the S&P 500 would. Now, then you may be thinking, okay, well, why would I want to invest in them? Again, there are particular reasons where, and retirement's one of the biggest ones, where uh, you need income, right? You want to create income for yourself for some particular purpose. And that's perfectly fine. And dividend-paying stocks are preferable in that case to uh, preferred stocks or bonds. And the reason that that is, uh, is because bonds are a fixed payment over time right? Uh, they're not going to increase that payment. That coupon payment that bonds make is not going to increase over time. And so a fixed payment time and time and time and time and time again uh, is only going to be eroded by inflation. And again, we talked about that a little bit in yesterday's episode. Okay. So those fixed payments will get eroded by inflation. Uh, same thing with preferred stocks. If they keep paying the same dividend, it's going to get eroded by inflation. Okay. But a dividend paying stock uh, especially one that is going to continue to grow for some period of time. And it may grow slowly, but it can still grow, right? If they maintain some yield, right? Or they're growing their dividend over time, like the dividend aristocrats do. Those dividend aristocrats are those in the S&P 500 who have grown their dividend for 25 plus years, right? Which uh, shows that they have a good track record of doing this, right? If they're consistently growing their dividend uh, and maintaining a yield, right? Then that means that the dividend payment is not fixed and the income that you receive from those dividend paying stocks is not going to get eroded by inflation in the same way that a bond or preferred stock uh, dividend is, right? So we can purchase individual stocks that have high yields, but we can also purchase ETFs or mutual funds that have high yields as well. Okay. And that can be really, really useful to us. And it can allow us to not have to go through the single stock selection that we would have to go through uh, if we were purchasing individual uh, high dividend yield stocks, but you can go and you can find many ETFs that have high dividend yields. Now, again, right. Uh, be wary of too high of yields, right? Too high of yields likely means that those yields might be a little riskier, right? Look in the three or 4% range on yields uh, and really see what is out there, right? And you can provide yourself with a lot of good income in retirement or for some uh, particular need that you have for income, uh, like paying for a kid's college or something like that, where you need payments to be made over time and you need something that is not as risky as investing in high growth stocks. And I completely understand that. But if you're early on in your investing life, you don't need uh, to be heavily invested in some of these ETFs. Now, this may be a portion of your portfolio. Like I have a small portion of my portfolio that is uh, into some of these uh, dividend paying ETFs, right? Because they are higher yield ETFs. They have a little more predictability. But the larger portion of mine and my wife's portfolios, uh, they are invested in a more aggressive way. Now, that's not saying I'm taking a ton of risk. But what that means uh, is that I am investing in things that are going to appreciate well over the long long term. And a high yield ETF might appreciate over the long term, but it's not going to appreciate in the same way uh, that higher growth companies that may not pay dividends are going to appreciate over time. But you want a good diversified portfolio of all these different things. Okay, so it's okay to hold some of these if you are young, uh, but you don't need a vast majority of your money in this. Now, I think this is a really good way uh, that people who get a little older can invest their money because uh, bonds are yielding nothing at this point, right, and seem to have been yielding nothing for quite some time. Even before rates dropped to zero, bonds weren't, you know, a knockout, 
Okay, so bonds aren't yielding much at this point. Uh, preferred stocks, again, you get uh, a fixed payment, but really no price appreciation, right? And we talked yesterday about in retirement, we need inflation to be uh, combated by uh, our investments, combated by uh, the growth of our money. And so if you invest in dividend paying stocks that will pay you some income and yet still grow over time and appreciate over time, this is a great way for you to de-risk uh, as you move closer to retirement and as you get into retirement. So these types of mutual funds and ETFs can be very, very useful for you. And I'm just going to talk about a couple uh, that I have either invested in myself or that I know about uh, that will allow you to uh, invest in uh, high dividend yield stocks without having to pick individual high yield companies. Okay. So the first one that I want to talk about uh, is SPYD. That is the stock symbol. Okay. Again, I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying uh, that this is a particular ETF that does this type of thing. Okay. So this is the Spider Portfolio S&P 500 high yield ETF, right? Uh, high dividend yield ETF. Okay. And this particular ETF exchange traded fund, right, is going to take companies from the S&P 500 that have high dividend yields and invest in those companies. Now, as of the end of March, right, so I know this was a few months ago, the yield on this ETF was 4.09%, right? So a uh, pretty high yield uh, ETF. So if you just purchased that ETF and allowed it to just pay you the dividends uh, off of those companies, you're going to make about 4% over the course of a year. And that's before even any appreciation in price may occur. Okay. And the expense ratio on this ETF is actually pretty low as well. It's 0.07, right? Which is something that I, I like to look at too, because you may have a really high yield uh, ETF, but it may have a very high expense ratio. And that's not something we want to be dealing with. Okay. Uh, so you have this uh, 4% uh, yield. This ETF holds 78 companies. So they pick out 78 companies. Those companies on average have had a 7.73 earnings per share growth over three to five years. They have a Ford PE or price to earnings ratio of 15.31. So these are larger, uh, more stable companies. And then the top 10 holdings of this particular ETF are uh, HP, which is Hewlett Packard, uh, Seagate Technology, People's United Financial, Hanes Brands, right? A lot of us wear Hanes uh, Brands clothing, uh, Conoco. Phillips, right? The oil company, uh, Holly Frontier Corporation, Lincoln National Corporation, a financial company, Iron Mountain, Altria Group, and then Kraft Heinz. And I know we all have Kraft Heinz somewhere in our refrigerator or pantry, okay? And so it is, uh, you know, heavily invested in things like financials and real estate, energy, and utilities because those are the higher dividend paying companies just naturally, okay? So that uh, can be an option uh, for somebody who's trying to create yield in their portfolio and they do not want to pick out individual companies. So you could invest in something like that. Then Vanguard has uh, the Vanguard high dividend yield ETF. And again, I'm looking at lower cost ETFs. There are some that pay higher yields. And I'll talk about a couple of those here shortly. But this is the Vanguard high dividend yield ETF. And this particular ETF, uh, since inception, so since 2006, right, which is pre financial crisis, right, which is pre uh, you know, COVID crisis, right, has yielded eight and a half percent per year. Now that's not dividend yield, but I'm talking about just returned. It has returned eight and a half percent annualized, okay, which is a pretty good return. And not only is that a pretty good return, that's a pretty good return uh, relative to the fact that we are talking about higher yield companies, okay? Now the current yield on uh, this particular ETF is 2.68%, but uh, based on the growth that I just uh, referred to, this is a pretty high growth ETF with higher dividends. Okay. Now some of the holdings of this particular ETF 
Um, a lot of the holdings, again, are in financials, healthcare, industrials, things like that, you know, consumer staples. But the largest holdings, you have J.P. Morgan, Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, Procter & Gamble, Bank of America, Comcast, ExxonMobil, Intel, Verizon, Cisco. So this particular ETF has a lot of larger cap companies in uh, the ETF. And so uh, it's no surprise that these companies have grown a lot, especially over the past few years and provided a good return. These, A lot of these are very good companies, okay? But they also have have a relative high yield uh, when it comes to larger cap companies, okay? So these are a couple that you can take into account uh, if you are trying to create some yield. And the expense ratio on this uh, particular ETF is 0.06%, so just uh, you know one basis point lower than the SPYD. And this is VYM, that's the stock symbol for this particular ETF. Again, not suggesting these ETFs, just saying these are ones uh, that have higher yields, okay? And then there are other high-yield ETFs. Uh, so if you look up, you know, find me high-yield ETFs, you can find some like the Global X Super Dividend ETF that pays you know, 8.56%, or uh, you can find the uh, Spider S&P Global ETF that pays 5.31%, right? But again, just be wary of too high of yields, okay? And understand that investing in higher yield things is going to lead to uh, a lower return on the increase in price on price appreciation, okay? So just be aware of that and understand that the higher the yield, uh, the more that that yield may be in trouble, okay? But if you want to invest in individual stocks and find yield in individual stocks, that's perfectly fine uh, as well. But in the same way that we may find stocks that are going to grow over the long term and hold them for the long term, right? These stocks need to be in the same way. We need to do fundamental analysis. We need to know what the company is about. We need to know what we own, right? We need to uh, look and make sure that they are going to be able to sustain cash flow over the long term to keep paying these dividends. And then we need to have a reason that we are uh, taking dividends off of a particular um, account or taking dividends from uh, a particular investment because uh, reinvesting dividends is a huge deal, right? Or again, over the long term, reinvesting dividends can make a huge uh, impact on your returns. So we want to be reinvesting our dividends over the long term. But if you need dividend income for some specific reason, then by all means, take it. But let me just say that if you're, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, right? And now 40s, you kind of get, uh, but if you're in your 20s or 30s, you don't really need dividend income for anything, okay? I don't want you to be trying to create portfolios that you can just, you know, supplement your income. You're missing out on long-term returns from reinvesting dividends, okay? But as you get into your 40s, your kids are going to college, you need to help pay for their college, uh, you know, dividend-paying stocks may be a way to do that. You get into your 50s and 60s, you're retiring, uh, you may need dividend-paying stocks to help you with that income as well, okay? But let's say you did retire early, you're a fire person, financial independent, retire early, right? And you're in your 30s or late 20s. If you're in your late 20s, bravo, right? And uh, you can create income via dividend paying stocks, then that's fine, okay? But have a specific purpose for pulling dividends off because otherwise you're missing out on good long-term returns by reinvesting those dividends. So hopefully this helps you. Uh, to understand what dividends are, uh, how they are uh, determined, how they can be used, and how you can invest in a way that can get you a higher yield. But you need to understand what that high yield means uh, and exactly how uh, you are going to use these high yield dividends as a part of your investment strategy. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. 
If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, uh, then I can do that. Just go on any of the major social media sites, DM me, tell me that you're interested in financial coaching sessions, and you and I can begin working together, creating financial goals that are specific to your situation, and then pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom. So tune in Monday as I continue to talk about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.